half the room just left. <laughs> okay, for all those that are still in the room, the other half, our first message will be brought to us by Mr. Reg Nolan. It is entitled, Patience and Struggle, Keys to the Growth Mindset. Uh, for your, I'm following Barnabas's example, and I've made up uh, little summary sheets of the uh, material that we have. So uh, on the front page, you'll see the scriptural references. On the inside, you see the key points for the um, growth mindset and fixed mindset that we'll be talking about. Right? As I get older, I appreciate the wisdom of Solomon more and more. Have you noticed there's been several messages about Solomon here recently? I guess we need some wisdom in this region, don't we? Not a whole lot of wisdom going on right now. Uh, in particular, I appreciate the observation that there's nothing new under the sun. I mean, um, universal health care has been, uh, that idea has been around forever. Um, nationalism has been around forever. Surely we have new gadgets, new toys, new technology, but their creation was driven by four major motivations, which incidentally correlate with several of the seven deadly sins. First one, do less work. That matches up with sloth. Make more money. That matches up with avarice or greed, envy, and gluttony. Um, derive more pleasure. That uh, matches up with lust, envy, gluttony. And gain more power. That's pride, envy, and wrath. So even though our gadgets may employ new technology, the motivation for exist their existence is as old as the hills. Let's look specific specifically at what Solomon said. This is Ecclesiastics 1, verses 3 through 10. What is the profit to a man um, in, in all his labor which he labors under the sun? A generation passes away. A generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun also arises, and the sun goes down and hurries to his place where it arose. The wind goes toward the south. It turns around to the north. It whirls around continuously, and the wind uh, returns upon his circuit. All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full. To the place uh, from where the rivers come, there they return again. That's the hydro cycle that, they, that Solomon knew about a long time ago. Um, let's see. Uh, the, all things are full of labor. Man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. That which has been is that which shall be, and that which has been done is that which shall be done. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing that may be said, see, this is new? It has been done. It has been, it has already been in the days of old, which were before us. Now, yet continually, we see new ideas, old ideas, very old ideas, in fact, relabeled with new terminology, repackaged as if they were a novel approach, when they are, in reality, very old ideas, just dressed up in a new outfit. Nowhere is that practice more evident than in educational philosophies. In the <clears throat> 27 plus years that I have been teaching at TPS, this is the beginning of my 28th year just at Booker T. Washington alone, uh, I have seen six changes of superintendent, uh, 11 principal changes, nine changes in, in department chair, and with each uh, change in office, I have seen a different educational philosophy instituted. Some with district right implication, others uh, that affected only my local school or department. However, in practicality, eh, nothing much really changes. 
the teaching practices stay pretty much the same. And the latest educational fad is Dr. Carol Dweck's uh, mindset theory. This is a fixed mindset versus a growth mindset. She asserts that the mindsets uh, uh, consist of a set of beliefs about our nature, about our self-esteem, about problem solving, about the role of effort, about how we cope with both success and failure, and how these mindsets shape our view of the world. The essential question of the mindset theory explores the nature of the human mind. Do we believe that we are born with an innate set of abilities, skills, personality traits, capacity for social interaction, inherent worth? Are we born with that stuff? Or are we born with the capacity to grow to the fullest potential in each of these areas? In many ways, it is the same old argument that we heard many, many years before. It's a variant on the old nature versus nurture argument. Are we a fixed entity? That's the nature argument that came from the factory pre-programmed with all that we can and can't do or are we a tabla rasa to use John Locke's term on which one writes our character um, uh, as we develop that's the nurture argument now however Dr. Uh, Dweck does not insist upon a completely blank slate for she acknowledges the recent scientific evidence concerning uh, certain skills and abilities such as the capacity for language, the ability to recognize faces, um, the suckling response, etc. These seem to be programmed into the human mind, into our DNA and require no previous experience uh, in order for babies to perform them. But in our, her view, I guess you might say uh, the mind is a, a, an electronic tablet. Okay, it comes with certain pre-programmed ideas, uh, programmed functions, but it's still a blank tablet on which it can be written. Uh, nevertheless, she asserts that all babies begin life with a growth mindset and unlimited potential. They are little scientists. Those of you who had children know what I mean talking about that. They, ex they fearlessly experiment with everything in their environment. And most of it goes directly into the mouth, right? Um, and have an attitude of, let's try this again whenever they experience failure or temporary setbacks. However, many children soon learn and adopt a fixed mindset and become more cautious about experimenting. They aren't born that way. They learn that limited, that cautious experience. The fixed mindset, now this is on the inside for your benefit here. The fixed mindset is the belief that human qualities uh, such as intelligence, capacity for social interaction, personality traits, etc., are static, that's not changing. Here are some common beliefs about what, about what oneself is that, uh, that precipitate from the fixed mindset. One's success in areas of activity comes naturally and effortlessly as a result of talent. In other words, you really don't have to try. If you, if you have a fixed mindset, you really don't have to try. It comes naturally. It's a result of talent. Uh, it's automatic. Um, one must constantly validate his characteristics in order to prove that he has been, that he is what he has proclaimed to be. Um, consequently, they seek approval from others all the time. Hence, they tend to be anxious, and they often suffer from fear and severe depression. For them, a failure is not merely an event. It is an evaluation of the person. That's a key concept. They view failure as not just as an event that happened, but as an evaluation of the person. Hence, they make excuses for their failure, or they blame somebody, something else, instead of owning their own mistakes. They never admit an error. They prefer to do things that are safe. 
They, things that they know how to do already, uh, well already. Things that have worked for them in the past. They seldom take risks or stretch themselves beyond their comfort zone. They work for right answers to affirm their self-perception and public image. They don't work for the answers for, for learning. They just work for it to affirm their uh, public image. They seek affirmation and praise to validate themselves. Here's the wrinkle, though. Uh, how both praise and criticism have a negative consequence for the fixed mindset. Praising the person with labels such as smart or gifted uh, sets them up for failure to live up to that label. Criticism confirms the, the negative fixed perception of the self. So either way, they're damned if they do and damned if they don't. Okay? Um, they are susceptible to stereotypes and ants. That's automatic negative thoughts. They are sensitive to and easily influenced by other people's opinions for, of them. What, uh, who, what other people think affects what, how, what they do and how they behave. Contrast that with the growth mindset. The growth mindset is um, the latest incarnation of the same theme that permeated the tragedies of ancient Greek playwrights, such as Sophocles, Aeschylus, um, Astrophanes, Euripides, etc. That man must suffer to be wise. That true understanding comes from the struggle to learn the concept, not from merely memorizing it. They thrive on challenges and new problems to solve. They are willing to take the risk of failure for the payoff of success. Growth mindsets learn from their mistakes. If a thousand trials are necessary before success, then the first 90, uh, 999 are not wasted attempts, for they teach us what doesn't work. Okay? Um, failure is an event. A thing that happened, not an evaluation of the person. You see the difference between those two? In the fixed mindset, if you fail, that's an evaluation of you. You are a bad person, not a good person if you fail. Whereas in the growth mindset, it's a thing that happened. I goofed. I made a mistake. Go on. All right. Uh, effort is critical to success. In the growth mindset, one cannot succeed or fail if he does not first put forth effort and make an attempt. It is the experience of wrestling with the problem that produces understanding, not just reaching a correct solution or conclusion or regurgitating what the accepted dogma is. It's the struggle with it that matters, the wrestling. Hence, people with growth mindsets work for understanding, not for just for right answers. Performance is not character. Performance is an event. Performance is not character. The growth mindset is dynamic and open-ended. The notion of a fixed IQ is a myth. It doesn't exist. Intelligence is not a single static quantity. Rather, we have multiple intelligence. Currently, nine have been identified, by the way. And Howard Gardner can identify those for you. Uh, each of which can be developed with appropriate training. Uh, clear self-knowledge allows the person with a growth mindset to weigh the other person's opinions of them objectively, acknowledging the negative things that are true and correcting them, or easily dismissing the opinions that are not well-founded. You see the difference between the two mindsets? Big, big difference. Incidentally, those with a fixed mindset with a belief in innate characteristics and talent would be more likely to believe in the, uh, the pseudosciences, astrology, so sorcery, magic, while those with a growth mindset would be more likely to believe in science, logic, and proof. So, here's a big question. 
Why is this relevant? How does it apply to us? The kind of mindset we have contributes greatly to our development of godly character. When we are born, we are born carnal, yes, but innocent. As Matthew, as Matthew said back on uh, the 10th of June, we are here on earth to learn through experience and trial how to have faith, hope, and love. The three indicators of godly character that God wants to see us develop in, to see develop in his children. However, these quantities are these qualities are not innate. Rather, we learn these qualities through the security of a stable home environment, a stable home, and the encouragement and reinforcement of family, friends, and teachers. Such a nurturing environment teaches faith and trust, as opposed to fear and skepticism. It teaches hope and peace as opposed to despair, turmoil, anxiety, and cynicism. It teaches love and joy as opposed to hate, uh, anger, and misery. The product of which is a growth mindset capable of coping with whatever contingencies arise. It also precludes the constrictions of a fixed mindset governed by principles of um, limitation and fear. As Mark said on uh, the 24th of June, uh, we must not succumb to fear, but we must persevere to the end. Fear is a characteristic of the fixed mindset. Perseverance, that never give up attitude, is characteristic of the growth mindset and a quality that we will need as children of God. Turn to Romans 8, 14 through 16. Okay, and I'm reading from the uh, contemporary English version here. Only those people who are led by God's spirit are his children. God's spirit does not make us slaves who are afraid of him. Rather, we are become his children and we call him our father. God's spirit makes us sure that we are his children. Okay? Uh, we are not given this mortal existence just to be a walking billboard for the way of light. Rather, we are given this mortal life to make mistakes, to intentionally to make mistakes so that we may learn from them. Now, some people have utilized this more than others. I acknowledge that. Um, but to learn from our errors so that we might be better suited to be the children of God who will one day govern the entire cosmos. So we are here to make mistakes and to learn from those mistakes. Isaiah 51 uh, 15, 16. I, don't, I'm, I didn't notice this until we were in a Bible study a few weeks back when we were studying Isaiah. Uh, there's a phrase in here that I had never seen before. Re, this is 15 and 16. But I am the Lord your God who divided the sea, whose waves roared. The Lord of hosts is his name. And I have put my words in your mouth. I have covered you with the shadow of my hand that I may plant the heavens that I may plant the heavens, lay the foundation of the earth, and say to Zion, you are my people. He's going to scatter us throughout the universe. Isn't that amazing? Okay, governing the cosmos is an awesome responsibility. It has to be delegated to, not to babes, but to mature Christians who can make decisions, who can grow and adapt to unexpected contingencies, who has judgment and, dis and discernment. Hence, this life is a training period in which we are to develop this gross mindset that I'm talking about. James 1, verses 2 to 5. 
My brothers, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing that by the trying of your faith, um, that the trying of your faith works patience. But let patience have its perfect work, so that you may be perfect and uh, entire, uh, lacking nothing. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives, who gives to all liberally and with no reproach, uh, so that, and it shall be given to him. Likewise, we see the same idea echoed in 1 Peter uh, 1 through 7. So that the trial of your faith, being more precious than that of gold that perishes, but being proven through fire, might be found to, pray, uh, to praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Indeed, God expects us to mature, not to remain babes forever. The King James Version says to be perfect. But really, that should be rendered more accurately to become mature. Perfection is that unattainable goal of the fixed mindset, whereas striving for excellence is the attainable goal of the growth mindset. Um, maturity is that ongoing developmental goal. Uh, through the letters of the apostles to the early churches, God is admonishing us to grow, not to restrict ourselves to a diet of milk, but to venture beyond our comfort zone and to dine on solid food, to risk failure for the opportunity to grow. Turn to Hebrews 5, verses 12 to 14. Again, I'm reading in this one from the uh, Contemporary English Version. By now, you should have been teachers. But once again, you need to be taught the simplest thing about what God has said. You need milk instead of solid food. People who live on milk are like babies who don't know what is right. Solid food is for mature people who have been trained to know right from wrong. Then to 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3. My friends, you are acting like the people of this world. That's why I could not speak to you as spiritual people. You are like babies as far as your faith in Christ is concerned. So I had to treat you like babies and feed you milk. You could not take the solid food then and you still cannot um, because you are not yet spiritual. You are jealous and argue with each other. This proves that you are not spiritual and that you are acting like people of the world. First uh, Peter 2 Verses 1 through 3. Stop being hateful. Quit trying to fool people. And start being sincere. Don't be jealous and say cruel things about others. Be like newborn babies who are thirsty for the pure spiritual milk that will help you to grow and to be saved. You, are, you have already found out how good the Lord really is. However, making the transition from milk to meat is not easy. It is not easy. Indeed, it may hurt a bit to ruminate on uh, some of the hard choices that we have to make. Further, you can bet that we will fail repeatedly in, in some area. But that's okay. That's okay. For failure is part of the learning process. Failure is part of the learning process. For us, that failure is the failure to live up to Christ's perfect example. That is to say, to sin, to transgress the law in some way. But the law is our schoolmaster. What does a schoolmaster do? It's there designed to teach us, to put, designed to point out our errors so that we may learn from them and correct them. The reference for that one is Galatians 3.24, whereas the law was our schoolmaster to bring us under Christ that we may be justified by faith. 
One of the greatest mistakes that Christians make is to dwell on our sins. You know that? One of the greatest mistakes we make is we dwell on our sins. If we sin, then it's done. It's history. There's nothing we can do to change it. It's over. Sin is a failure event, but it's only an event. It's only an event. So, accept it, ask forgiveness for it, learn from it, but don't dwell on it, or you'll just make yourself miserable. You'll just make yourself miserable. Sin is an event. Learn from it and let it go. It does not become character unless you keep picking at it like a wound and make it fester. Some sins are, are difficult to eliminate. Despite our best effort, we, keep, uh, we end up repeating them over and over and over again. I can testify to that. Okay? If we internalize the failure as a, a, an evaluation of our character, then we end up in despair. And then that despair becomes a breeding ground for more sin. Okay? For more failures. Instead, acknowledge the repeated failure as a lesson we have not yet learned. That's what it is. A repeated, a repeated failure is a lesson we have not yet learned. Yes, consequences may follow from the failure as an instrument of correction. That's true. Uh, indeed, sometimes just the threat of the correction is sufficient to steer us back onto the correct path. But it does not necessarily condemn us. Rather, it is Christ's blood that redeems us. Not our own efforts. We can't save ourselves. He is faithful if we will ask if we will ask him to forgive. For us to believe that we can be uh, sinless in this life is folly. It's vanity. Go to 1 John 1, verses 8 through 10. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So don't be embarrassed that you have sinned. Take it as a learning opportunity. Okay? Consider the Apostle Paul. There could be no more valiant a soldier for Christ. Even, um, yet even he was afflicted by, quote, a thorn in the flesh to keep him humble. Go to 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 10. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be uh, exalted above measure. Concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said, My grace is sufficient for you, and for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will... Rather, boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities, in reproach, in need, and in persecutions, in distress, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Isn't that a paradox? Okay. I strongly suspect that the phrase, thorn in the flesh, is not a literal thorn. No, yeah, but it is used metaphorically, probably to indicate some uh, psychological or emotional problem that he could not overcome since he defines it as a weakness, not as an affliction. It is clearly a problem that plagues him for the rest of his life as a reminder that he is not strong enough of himself to conquer it. 
Paul also notes that we are not alone in our infirmity. Besides having the ear of Christ through the Holy Spirit, we also have one another. We have one another as spiritual siblings to instruct us, to console us, and to encourage us. To that end, God has given gifts of spirit to the church members for the edifying of his family. Here again, we see the differences between the fixed mindset and the growth mindset. A person with a fixed mindset would be discouraged by tales of others overcoming their sin, for such tales would imply that he is a failure. I can't do it. They did it, but I can't do it. I'm a failure. On the other hand, then he's not worthy of God. On the other hand, a growth mindset would be encouraged by such tale. Inspiring thoughts of, well, he can overcome that. I can too. Okay, see the difference in the mindset? One is defeatist and the other is encouraging. Uh-oh, someone left me speechless. Oh, here's the rest. Scared me. Okay. Um, all right. Such uh, uh, interactions foster hope and faith. Uh, further, God draws into his family those members who have disparate abilities or different kinds of abilities for the benefit of the whole. Why else would I be here? Okay. So go to uh, Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Uh, Christ chose some of us to be apostles, prophets, missionaries, pastors, and teachers, so that his people would learn to serve and uh, serve, uh, and his body would grow strong. This uh, will continue until we are united by faith and by our understanding of the Son of God. Then we will be mature, just as Christ is, and we will have... And we will be completely like him. We must stop acting like children. We must not let deceitful people trick us by their false teaching. Which are uh, like winds that toss us around from place to place. Uh, love should always make us tell the truth. Then we will grow in every way and be more like Christ, the head of the body. Christ holds it together and makes all of his parts work perfectly as it grows and becomes stronger because of love. No one person can be totally successful on his own. Rather, we learn from one another. We lean on one another in our weaknesses and we support others in their weaknesses as well. We grow together to fight a common adversary and to find solace in each other. 1 Peter uh, 5, 8 through 11. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But, the, uh, but may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory uh, by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and the domination forever and ever. Amen. So, to what end? We have a grand and glorious future ahead of us. As I just said, God planted the heavens with us. He plans to plant the heavens with us. If we can look beyond the impending collapse, demise, and captivity of the United States, 
Not Europe is already being galvanized against us. Look beyond the rise of the European beast power and the subsequent near extinction of event of humankind. Then we can see the establishment of the kingdom of God on earth stretching out into infinity. And we who have developed a mature and into mature children of God will become the administrators and priests of that kingdom. And actually the word is a kingdom of priests. A kingdom of priests, if you look at the actual translation. To do so, we need to have that growth mindset. A mindset capable of flexibility, adaptability, analysis, evaluation, problem solving, judgment, decision making, synthesis, creativity, ingenuity, love, joy, peace, courage, tranquility, lawfulness. The strength to admit when we are wrong. That's a big quality, a big quality of character, the strength to admit when we are wrong and to learn from a mistake. In short, we must be able to exceed the sum of our programming. The following two passages describe our future. As I read them, listen for the growth mindset words and contrast those with the fixed mindset attributed to angels. Do you, you realize that angels have a fixed mindset? They cannot exceed their programming. They cannot exceed what they were meant to do. We, on the other hand, are the children of God, and we have growth mindset. We can reach beyond, we can go beyond what the angels are doing. Hebrews 2, 5 through 10. For he is not put into subjection to the angels, the world to come, of which we speak, but has testified in a certain place, saying, What is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you visit him? You have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor and set him over the works of your hand. You subjected all things under his feet. For in subjecting all things to him, he did not leave anything not subjected to him. But now we do not see all things uh, having been subjected to him. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering, suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for all. And it became him for whom all things, for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to perfect the captain of their salvation through suffering. Romans 8 verses 14 through 25. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have perceived the spirit of adoption by which we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, so that if we suffer with him, we may also be glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creation was not willingly subjected to vanity, but because of him who subjected it on hope that the creation itself might, uh, shall, itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. And we know that the whole creation groans and travails and pain until now. 
And not only so, but ourselves also, who have the first fruit of the Spirit. Even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, awaiting the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope. But hope that is not seen is not hope. For what, in, what anyone sees, why does he also hope for it? But if we hope for that which we do not see, then we wait for it with patience. So, if we are experiencing trials... Perhaps we should not ask for them to be removed, but we should ask, what do I need to learn from this? What do I need to learn from this? God does not subject us to trials for no reason. Rather, he is a God of purpose, and even our suffering exists for a reason. Isaiah 48.10 Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. However, a word of warning. Do not be foolish enough to pray for trials. Do not be foolish enough to pray for trials. That, uh, that would just be masochistic. For God might just grant you that prayer. No the normal trials of the day are more than sufficient for our instruction. Uh, Matthew 6, uh, 31 through 34. Therefore, do not worry saying, what shall you eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after these things the Gentiles speak. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be granted to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own thing. Sufficient for today is its own trouble. Boy, is there ever a true statement made. So, instead of asking uh, God to remove our learning opportunities, Perhaps we should just ask him for the strength to endure the lesson, to develop a growth mindset, and to learn patience through suffering.